Welcome in to the Dynasty Market Watch, where yesterday's price is not today's price, and we are presented by the Bulletproof Family of Podcasts. We're going to actually, Brian and Matt, we're going to get back into some market watching today, which I'm pretty excited about. In season, we're always talking like player discussions and like up and down of value. And in, you know, in the offseason, there's not a lot of change in value, but like we're going to get back to that. We're going to look at some buys and sells today. We are going to kick it off a little bit, hitting on some prospect talk. I know people are really excited about jumping in on that. We're going to get to that in the coming weeks. Um, so we will hit on that a little bit. Um, but like I said, today we're going to go through some buys and sells. I think we've got quite a bit of disagreements on some different players today. So that's going to be fun. Let's get into it. Yesterday's price is not today's price. I mentioned some prospect talk. This past week, I posted a tweet about Romo Dunze, and it really um, ruffled some feathers. It got some people... Um, not out of shape. Let's just let's just put it that way. Just for anybody on YouTube, if you could share that tweet. Yeah, we got it here on the screen here for you, Todd. So why don't you take it away? What what we're looking at here, if you're listening on the podcast, so it's Roma Dunze had 1.76 yards per team pass attempt in years two and three, and I've got a big list of wide receivers that were drafted in the first round that have less than 2.25. And like I said, um, Romo Dunze had 1.76. And actually, I, I it's actually a range of 1.25 to 2.25. So what I've done is I've gone basically 0.5 on either side of Romo Dunze's year two, year three stats. And um, just like running through the list, if you're not visually looking at it, your best players on the list are like Kelvin Benjamin, Cordero Patterson, uh, Devontae Parker, Kendall Wright, and then you've got about 12 to 15 other guys that you've got the Jalen Ragers, you've got John Ross, uh, Josh Doxson. It's a rough list. And so it definitely um, ruffled some feathers. People weren't quite very happy about it. Um, I've got Roman Dunze's family in the in the mentions. I was, so, I was, I was going to say you had about probably the second biggest beef on Twitter this past week, I would say. It is yeah, just no, wild how quickly they are to show up in tweets that, of people they don't even follow. They're searching this guy's name constantly. Yeah, and the thread, the last piece of the thread of this, I put um, waiting waiting on the Roma Dunes family to show up because I just knew it was only a matter of time. It's interesting because you're obviously this these types of posts are garnering a lot of interest. So I, I I figure it made a ton of sense for us to kind of dive a little bit deeper into it. It's easier than you replying to fifty thousand tweets like, "Hey, what does this mean?" or "Why is this guy?" So so for incoming rookies, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, you're looking at year two and three. So is there something more predictive? in your experience of that nature? Like, why are you excluding year one, year four, uh, age? Basically, your options when you're looking at a player's stats are you can look at the full four-year career and average them out. You can look at their best season. Um, You could look at maybe like their last two years in college. Um, But what I do is I use years two and three. And the reason I use years two and three is, A, it's, to me, a lot more predictive based on the research that I've done than looking at any of those other ones. Um, But why is it more predictive? So if you look at years one through four, you're pulling in um, a freshman season that maybe they went somewhere and they're like Marvin Harrison Jr. And they sat behind Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson. They couldn't get on the field. Um, maybe they went somewhere and they have the excuse of, well, my coaches doesn't play, my coach doesn't play freshman. Like we, we don't, he doesn't let us get on the field. And so like, you've got always have like that guy and in in, uh, making the excuse for a player. And so um, taking out year one, I, I just kind of throw it away. I do have some like a boost for if you perform really well, year one, it's not major, but there's just like a small boost for, well in year one um but then also taking out year four keeps all players on the same playing field so every every player um whether they're an early declare or they played all four years we're comparing them all the exact same it's year two and three and 
the question that I've got, I get a lot is, okay, well, if you're taking out year four, like a lot of guys, they, they don't peak early. They, it takes them until the fourth year to really perform well, like a Romo Dunze. Well, the issue there is that if you look at just like fourth year stats and you just go through and just like, let, let's look at the top players of their, their, um, their fourth and final season. It's not a, it's not a pretty list and there's not a lot of success coming from that. Um, even if you look at a guy like Chris Olave, he was amazing in years two and three. He didn't really even have that great of a year four, but he was amazing in years two and three. And you you can just kind of wipe out having to seek uh, early declares, which is a lot what, what a lot of people are doing. So I really don't even worry too much about early declare status. It's more about year two and three stats. It's interesting. I, I would love to see, I know you're not prepared for this, but I would love to see a tweet and looking at Devontae Smith because he had such a historic senior year. Um, and obviously there was some of like the size concerns. I would be curious to see like what his comp list would look like. Yeah. Um, so I'll, po- I'll post that on my Twitter feed um, here in the next day or so um, once this comes out. So that that's a good one. So he did have a really good junior year, his sophomore year, not, not as great. The thing with Devante though, is that he finished his year two, three with 2.46. And that's really good. Like, I mean, he still found a way to get to it. Um, whereas, whereas, um, Roma Dunze just, he, he, he didn't. So I, I don't have the exact numbers of like what drove that to get Devante to the 2.46. So it's yards per team pass attempt. Um, obviously it, it is what it, it is, what it is. So it's, it's yards divided by the team number of pass attempts. So Roma Dunze's team this past year, even he didn't even have as good of a year as probably what you would think because they, they threw it 44 times a game. And the way I would kind of um, think about this is think about like today's NBA. So in today's NBA, there's way more possessions. Um, it's a totally in different environment. So like, if you look at, let's like, let's use like Luka Doncic, for example, or Joel Embiid, they're averaging 36, 33 points per game in the NBA, but the number of possessions are higher the number of att- your number of attempts are higher it's just it's a different scale um so if your team is scoring 130 points per game let's just kind of go to the extreme averaging 25 isn't as great as the guy averaging 25 that's on a team that's scoring 110 points per game so we're kind yeah. of looking at it on a scale and obviously some teams have stronger um players on their team than others um, I think one thing that a lot of people in the in the comments were complaining about was, oh, well, he's got uh, other NFL type prospects um, on his team that 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 might play in the NFL. Well, if you go through and look at this list, um, you've got Quadero Patterson played with Justin Hunter um, at Tennessee. You've got uh, Kadarius Tony played with Kyle Pitts. I think there was another receiver that may have gotten some time in the NFL. Um, you've got uh, Henry Ruggs obviously played with a bunch of guys at Alabama. You've got Jamison Williams that played behind guys at Ohio state. And then he played with John Mechie. Like, I'm not saying these guys are superstars, but they are NFL players, which is kind of like what Jalen Polk. And, um, I think, uh, maybe his name is McMillan at, at Washington. Um, so these guys played with other, other talents and they, that, that doesn't mean that like your stats should to just be boosted because you played with other, other players. Like if you're that if you're that freaking good, then be good. Like be go be awesome. And he was he was really good, but he's not as good as what people think just because they look at 1400 yards on paper. So so Todd, you're you're obviously clearly lower than consensus and this wide receiver accomplice uh supported that feeling before that before you ran it through. Does something shift that feeling like if Rome Adunze goes to the combine, runs a four four, awesome athletic scores, is that something that would shift your your uh view at all? Yeah, so like I, I may have said it was a comp. It's not really a comp list. So this would be what I would consider just an interesting stat. It's like if I I think what what pissed people off so much was it was like I it was like I was Style. having a take on this. Like this isn't a take, it's just like I just posted it, think of it. I just posted Luka Doncic's points per game numbers. Like these are just, it's just a stat. Um, it does go into a lot of what I look at for players, but if, if Romo Dunze goes and he runs a, 
his 40 time really doesn't even matter to me. It's what it'll matter to NFL teams. So it'll matter for his draft capital. So, you know, he goes and becomes a top 10 pick, which is what people predict. I'm not going to be as that low on him. To be honest, he's probably the wide receiver three, but that's probably a nature of this to me being a fairly weak wide receiver class after the top two. So I don't think that there's another like superstar, um, which I mean, after two, like most classes don't have another superstar, like, but that, I just don't think that there's another thir- three through five that are he's, studs. He's, he's, he's wide receiver three by default. Yeah. Essentially. So, so, the, so speaking, the on the, capital. speaking on the draft capital thing, that is the first thing that stood out to me on this list. Obviously I've been pretty high on Odunze. I see this comp list of just completely terrible NFL players. My all first rounders, all first rounders. My first inclination is, okay, where does Odunze differ from this list? If you narrow it down to top 10 draft capital, there's only two players on this list, Kevin White and John Ross. Um, If you narrow it down to top five draft capital, which is in play for Odunze, uh, Kevin White is the only person on the list. So uh, if if he's top five, I mean, I I don't think that's going to happen, but if he is, then it's kind of another conversation that you you have. But Three of the biggest names in the draft industry, Mel Kuyper, Matt Miller, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL.com, they all have him as a top five prospect. <clears throat> Daniel Jeremiah has him as his third overall prospect in the entire class. Someone on Twitter yesterday asked Daniel Jeremiah, why do you have Rome third overall? Daniel Jeremiah said, I tend to like big, rangy, physical, fast, wide receivers with outstanding hands, route polish, intelligence, and high character. That's probably why. Um, and so I think that, to, to me, if you're looking at, okay, why is why does this not necessarily spell doom for Odunze? I just think he's a lot different than most of these prospects. Most of these prospects went in the mid to late first. Um if he sli- if they're all wrong and he slides out of the top ten or top fifteen, then I start getting a lot more concerned about a lot more of these prospect profiles matching his. But if he gets drafted like fifth overall to the Chargers, I don't know how applicable this list is to his situation. Um, so I guess that would be like the one thing that would give me hope that he doesn't match up with a lot of these guys. One one uh, certainly positive takeaway from this conversation if he busts Odumze is a great bust <laughs> tag right like that's kind of that just clicked in my head when you were saying you know Odunze and busting it's it, that's I I love that 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 moniker so I'm kind of vaguely very vaguely rooting for him to have a so-so start to his career at least even if it's a slow uh you know get back into it year two sort of thing I'm already prepared for after week one when he goes for 100 yards and a touchdown for for my mentions to just get rocked. I mean, that would already surpass half these guys' careers. Yeah, it's not a good list, Matt. It's not. It's a terrible list. Uh, Yeah, it's a a list of a lot of bad players. You've you've uh, you've done a couple rookies or incoming rookies. You also did a couple that just finished their rookie season. So I, I noticed you did Zay Flowers, Rasheed Rice, JSN. Can you kind of like break down those a bit for us here? I think there was some questions on Twitter. Yeah, we don't need well. to spend a lot of time on this one. So basically what I've been posting are, like you said, post year one comps. And to, to come up with those comps, all I'm using are PFF, receiving grade. I'm using Whopper, which is weighted opportunity rating. It's basically a combination of target share and air yard share within an offense. And the final piece that I'm using is a very subtle amount of my prospect model grade. Um, and it's very small amount. So basically, like if we looked at um, Zay Flowers, um, his his comp list, um, he graded out for me as like a good prospect. Let's just call it um, basically all I did when I when I took his comp list was I took his PFF receiving grade. I did a parameter around the PFF receiving grade. I took his Whopper, did a parameter around that. It's a pretty wide casted net on both sides. And then I took the my model grade. And basically all I did for him was I'm wiping out the guys on like the 10% either side. So like the terrible prospects or like the 
Julio Jones level prospect for him. So, and then you get the comp list. It was about eight or 10 um, players typically like Rasheed Rice. When I did his, he, he's such a bizarre prospect. I only had like seven players that came up in his list because um, kind of a poor prospect. Um, he has a great PFF receiving grade, but his whopper is really low. It's just a very bizarre uh, prospect. And you get like six or seven guys that, it has a pretty good list. Like if you look at Rasheed Rice's list, it's pretty optimistic. So um, yeah, that, that's what I'm doing for the, for the post year one comps. Um, I think they're more fun than anything. So I think it's just like a fun list to look, look at. It's not like the most actionable thing, but I think if you kind of collect them all together, I put a collection tweet together of uh, like a running list of them. And um, you know, if you look at them all together, you can kind of maybe decipher of like who I might like more than the other. So that might be one way to use it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So we, we spent a lot of time on this collection of data data. I think it'll inspire a lot more interesting questions and takes throughout the off season. So I'm excited to kind of keep checking in on your Twitter. Um, but why don't we hit on it? We, we talked a lot about Romo Dunze. I have a couple of questions. I'm curious what your guys uh, feelings are on. So first and foremost, uh, Malik neighbors, Marvin Harrison jr. Those are, Obviously, the two huge wide receiver names out, you know, Odunze is definitely a clear cut third. Um, is there any chance either you feel like Malik Neighbors can surpass Marvin Harrison Jr. in a rookie draft? It's, let's say he lands five with the Chargers, uh, Marvin Harrison's four with the Cardinals. I don't think so, but I, I'd like maybe, you know, 2% of the rookie drafts out there, you know, um, like. That could happen. It, 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 it I, I feels think, like there's some steam. Yeah, I, I think almost everyone we know is going to take Marvin Harrison over neighbors, no regardless of landing spot. Um, but what do you guys think? Well, I, I think it's just going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. going one or two in a lot of places. But what I'm going to start doing for my own set of leagues, and I have a lot of 102s. I talked about it during the season. Like I, I had a lot of teams where I tanked but I wasn't willing to tank as hard as the other guy. And he got the 101 and I ended up with the 102 happily because I think like I've talked about, I think that there's going to be some leagues where Marvin Harrison Jr. goes one and you sit at 102 and you still come away with Caleb Williams. Um, but at two Marvin Harrison Jr. I've got several of him and I'm that I'm planning on taking, but the, I, I might, I'm starting to think I'm going to split my, um, split it up and try, try to diversify and go like half and half and go like Marvin Harrison Jr. at two for several of them and then trade back to the three, four, five, or even go back to six and just land with whoever I have. If that's Malik Neighbors, then great. If not, maybe it's those quarterbacks or Brock Bowers. Um, but I would try to, I, I would like to try to diversify and just get some, something on top. And I'll just basically tee it up for whoever in, in my leagues at the 102 is willing to send the most. And then the ones where I'm not able to get as much, I'll just take Marvin Harrison Jr. too. But no, I, I, Marvin Harrison Jr. is like, we're talking about from what I've looked at, looking at these year two, three um, stats, he's, it's like Julio, Jamar Chase, and Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. is like the top three prospects since 2000. Pretty good company. <laughs> yeah. And like Malik Neighbors is up there. He's more like in the um, super elite group that's not the top three of the last 13 years. So he's like Mar Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, Justin Jefferson. Like he's in like in a super, he's like up there, but it's just not as high as Marvin Harrison Jr. And a lot of that also you're, will come down to draft capital, like you mentioned. You're, you're talking about 102. And I think then that that kind of is a great segue for my next question is Jaden Daniels and Drake May. In a super flex league, I could see where they really, really, really gain some steam for you know either of those having a case for 102, 103. So I'm starting to think like as high and great of a prospect as Marvin Harrison Jr. is, and he's got the name recognition as well. There was there was drafts because uh like Jamar Chase's class, for example, he was going 104, 105 a lot because the emergence of Trey Lance. You had Zach Wilson, those two quarterbacks that kind of boosted on top of fields that all of a sudden Jamar Chase is dropping because super flex importance of quarterback. Yeah, so I think I, I guess I, I think we're gonna see drafts where Marvin Harrison goes for. Um, 
just because I'm going to assume Jaden Daniels and Drake may get top three draft capital. It seems like that right now. Uh, Washington and New England are two of the most QB needy franchises in the league. They can take their quarterback without uh, trading up and giving up a bunch. Again, uh, it seems like a lot of evaluators all have those guys in the top five, top ten. They look, they look like dynasty rookie drafts, these NFL mocks. Yeah, they, yeah. They, you got they, Caleb they, Williams, you got Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers, like Malik Neighbors. That's what I love like seeing. Top seven. Yeah. And that, has, the, that has not happened. So I have been playing dynasty since 2015. That has not happened since I've been playing. And, and I think the Brock Bowers stuff is interesting too. Like a lot of people say – this isn't Kyle Pitts. This is the best tight end prospect we've ever seen. Uh, there are some differences in play style with Pitts and Bowers that should lead to Bowers kind of getting uh, like a lot more targets, PPR stuff where like Hayden Winks had an interesting tweet kind of breaking down the difference between Pitts and uh, Bowers and Bowers. Uh, I think he capped it off by saying Bowers is a menace in the flats. Um, he just gets a lot of easy looks that he uh, uses yak ability to turn into big plays uh, whereas, you know, Pitts was used a lot more downfield, higher A dot. Um, a lot of people really like Bowers, man. Like, there's people that compare Bowers to Marvin Harrison Jr. I think the top six could be kind of all over the place if this draft goes as expected. There, I think there's people that will take Bowers, like, top two or three. Um, when, when, you're when you're talking tight end premium, he gives me uh, – Brock Bowers gives me, like, major George Kittle vibes. Yeah. Um, that, like – that is something that I know a lot of people don't love George Kittle anymore. And maybe we'll talk <laughs> about that later, but like George Kittle, awesome football player, super intense dude. Uh, like just an easy guy to root for, but Brock Bowers has some of that in him for sure. You yep. can see some clips where he'll just like, he'll hit a guy and like just drive the guy back five, 10 yards. And it's like, just Holy crap. Dude. It looks like a little kid. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and transition into a couple of trades, and I'm just going to hit you with a trade, and then we can keep it rolling. So you mentioned George Kittle. I traded um, just the other day on a team that's converting from a tanker to a contender. I traded away the 202 and a third um, for George Kittle. Um, so didn't have a tight end on that team, so that's a team where I'm trying to transition it in. Massive W. Yeah, so, I think – what uh just real quick like brian what do you think is uh and i know this is going to be very team dependent but in a vacuum like what's the highest rookie pick you're going to give up for george kittle like 110 yeah i was gonna say a late one i i would definitely pay i've paid that in the past yeah. uh, i don't think anything's changing we especially like if if brock purdy is whatever some people think he is like why wouldn't george kittle be boosted like everybody else is um brian is the biggest george kittle fan i think i've ever met that, it, it's funny because i like was totally anti-kittle when everyone was like tight end one clear 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 and then i was like no i'm gonna, I'm gonna back off that and then as soon as everyone threw him to on the on the curb i kind of picked him up all over the place and became <laughs> about every fan. league we're in together you either have him well if you have him um, you're either holding or you've got him on the block and nobody's willing to pay what you're asking price is. It's disgusting. It's a sad state of affairs. It really is. So we're, t we're talking block and I, it's, why don't we bring cousin Pat back into this, right? Like I was so excited when Matt sent us one of these trades because we haven't been able to talk about cousin Pat in a while. So Matt lead us off with that trade. And I know you've hit a couple more, so why don't you just give them all here? Yeah, so that one uh, was in our uh, league together, Brian. I gave up uh, Jared Goff, the 205 in 24, and what look, projects to be a mid to late 25 first uh, for Puka. So the way I looked at it is I look at Jared Goff as like a late first. Um, so I looked at it as like two mid to late ones and a mid two. Uh, so like almost two and a half ones for Puka, which – a little bit hefty, but I that's what he's worth, I think. So I'm okay with the price. I think it was a fair, fair trade all around. Yeah, so. I'd say that's about I, I I like the way that you're thinking about the trade is like two two ones and a two. I just have a hard time saying that golf is worth a late one. Like what what is the justification of trading a one for golf? I'd rather just have a bum and save save my one for another day when I can combine it with something else and get a more highly touted quarterback. 
because like golf just isn't separating. When I say bum, I mean like tomorrow's tomorrow's Baker Mayfield. Like whoever we figure out, like Jameis Winston finds his way to start into a starting lineup. Like some one of these quarterbacks that is just worth nothing at, at the time. Um tomorrow's Flacco like just so figure figure your way through it and then trade because like you can't take it's very difficult to take golf so and like so Todd, add something and, and really get, like you can't get up to Kyler it's very difficult another way to frame this though if you have Jared Goff what are you asking for oh I, I, I'm saying if I'm the guy paying for poop yeah golf, right 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 with because I, I agree with you I'm uncomfortable paying that price but it's also kind of in this situation, Matt isn't directly paying that price. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. No, no. Yeah, I, think so, you're, I think that he is worth the late first. I just could never come, bring myself to pay a late first for golf. So, I mean, a lot of the reasons that uh, these quarterbacks are very highly valued and ha- over half the first round of startups is filled with quarterbacks is because of the long-term security that they provide, as well as some of the upside. Um, now, Jared Goff does not have the upside. We kind of know this. But he does have the security. Um, he, he's going to sign a very big deal. He's going to sign four years, $160 million, uh, maybe even higher than that. Some people project it as a four-year, $200 million contract. Uh, he has his offensive coordinator back. He's coming off two seasons where he's been a QB1. Um, he, he He's just very solid. He, he's, he's about the most perfect quarterback, too, you can ask for on a contending team. And from what I've seen, he goes in the fifth round right now in startups. That's a, yeah, yeah. I'm not debating like what his long. worth is. Like I, I, I just well, yeah. He, he's not the type. I, no, I, 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 I want I want like a stud quarterback, and I just couldn't I just couldn't stomach paying for him. But like from a value standpoint, I think it's a fair trade. Honestly, like you get a quarterback and a future first for Puka. That's not it's not that bad. And you get a so, Todd. Would you <laughs> would you pay Todd? Would you pay? Uh, Goff and a one for Kyler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I'm yeah, tr- I'm okay, trying so. to get in- I'm trying to get into the quarterback tier of guys where I can like can finish in the top five. And Kyler, has I feel like him. because I I feel like you could probably do that with a team that's like trying to like you know the quote unquote like win now type of team. I could see a manager not wanting to take on whatever perceived Kyler risk that I don't think exists, but that certainly is attached to his name. So uh, before I made that Puka trade with Cousin Pat, um, the day prior, I had just acquired Jared Goff in this league uh, to get back to some of the trades. And this this one, I, I don't think you guys like that much. Um, so in this same league, I gave up. Anthony Richardson, so that high upside quarterback that you guys are trying to get. I gave up Anthony Richardson, Wondell Robinson, and the 24-305 mid-third round pick for Jared Goff and Jameer Gibbs. Um, So in this league, I have Hurts and Dak, which made Goff expendable. Um, But I needed a running back. Uh, it's way too early in the offseason to trade for need, but I just uh, love Jameer Gibbs. We'll get into him a little bit later. Um, so, Matt, before Todd gives his opinion, because I know he he probably has a stronger one than me, are you off the David Montgomery train, or is it just, just like Gibbs is that dude that you don't really care? More of the latter. I think Gibbs is that dude. Um, my, I, I think Monty's a good guy, too, uh, to be honest, but I – you know, he does not have the upside that Gibbs does, in my opinion. And we'll we'll get into I'm Gibbs trying, a little I'm bit. I'm trying to get into that. Us. I'm trying to get into that elite quarterback tier. ARs in that tier. If I'm trading out of it, which I understand, like you already have, um, you said Dak and Dak and Hurts. Hurts. So like, I get trading out of him. It's just it's the golf piece for me again. Like, I just don't want to be trading into golf. Like, if you if if it was like. I, I, I kind of knew I would be moving golf when I made that trade. Okay, and, so and if, Todd, like, you just, have a, if you have the the foresight to know that you can trade him and turn it into Puka, then like I thought it would take more than a trade. If you think about like the combined trades, like AR and like I don't give a shit about the Wandale and the three hundred eight part. Like AR for uh, AR, I guess you threw a two hundred five and a one for Puka Gibbs and Gibbs. Puka. It's not. It's not bad. 
I mean, I, I would I would rather have the AR side because the the, the one is what hurt what hurts probably. But like, a, you can't trade AR for Gibbs and Puka. Like, you're gonna you have to give up more than that because I mean, Gibbs Puka is a round two pick and Gibbs is a round three and AR is a late round one. So you're gonna have to give up more. I guess a one's the difference. So I don't really have a major issue with that. Yeah, and that one, I, I really don't think they're – I mean, we, we don't really know, obviously. We talk about it all the time, but I'm pretty sure that one does not have a lot of upside. This guy's got, like, Mahomes, Purdy, a bunch of good players. Um, they, I'd be shocked if that pick wasn't mid to late. So uh, that kind of also informed me treating it as such. Right, so um, been- but, yeah, go ahead. So we've been talking quarterbacks. Um, I know Brian T. Law. You've been in on him. I'm out. Like Matt is like sitting in the middle. I think on T. Law. So like, give him the give him the 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 sell case or the buy case on T. Law, and I'll give I'll, I'll be prepared for some pushback because I'm out. Real real quick, like it's it's funny because there's some deja vu going on. I just mentioned George Kittle. I was against him when everyone was for him. Trevor Lawrence was my QB two out of the rookie class. So I was very contrarian in that sense. I had Justin Fields above Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence was being overvalued as this like once in a million years type of pers- player and prospect. But now, like looking let like his ADP is like mid second round in a super flex league, I think that is too much of an overcorrection from whatever one hundred six to one hundred eight range last year in a startup. Um, I I think he still has the same arm talent. I think he still has the same legs. I watched clip after clip of Kelvin Ridley dropping touchdowns and being out of bounds and being a fucking idiot. Um. I'm so I I hate Calvin Ridley now. Just after just after those clips, I hate his guts. He's 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 dead to me. Um, so come get him if you, if I have him in your I'm in your league. But uh, yeah, I, I think his. Um, I, yeah, I I might I would do like give me an earlier two, and I it's kind of one of my buy ranges right now that we right. haven't talked about yet. But um, yeah, I mean, and, and just, just in general, I think T Law is now being undervalued. I think he's good at football. I think it's going to correct itself. I think he's he had some stretches that were not great, including the end of the season, and that's kind of where people are leaving it. So I I think it's an overcorrection to what was already an overvaluation of his previous strengths, I guess. All right. Yeah, I agree he's good. I, I agree he's good in real life, but Todd, what you wanna kinda go with yeah, the you, You're the judge you're the you're the sitting judge, so you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna make the final final say. So all right, right now he's QB eleven. He's behind um generally he's or QB ten, QB eleven. He's generally behind like AR, Kyler Murray. Um it kind of it's kind of a depends on Jordan Love. I think ADP right now, the last few weeks, Jordan Love's behind him. Um, like if you look at keep trade cut right now, Jordan Love's ahead of him. I think they're all in the same tier ish. I would rather have Jordan Love over Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is living off of the hype. Like Brian, you talked about the hype from his from his rookie year. He is still living off of that. He's given us really nothing that shows that he needs to be in that group. He is trending. We talk about Jared Goff. He people need to come to grips that he's trending more towards Jared Goff than he is towards the Burrow, Lamar, Herbert range. Like he's not shown anything that, that gives us that. Even if you give him, let's just give him some of those Calvin Ridley touchdowns. He's still not cracking QB one range. So I have, that's my biggest issue with him. Now I'm going to play devil's advocate against myself. And um, I saw there was an adjusted EPA stat. It was going around right after the season ended and the adjusted EPA was basically accounting for bad luck. And the bad luck for Trevor Lawrence was bad. Like he was getting screwed this year. So that is my only hesitation. That is the only, that is that, that stat, the adjusted EPA is the only thing that is keeping me, keeping him in that love Kyler, range otherwise he's back there with like purdy and like justin fields dak range for me and so like he is like he is just holding on by adjusted epa 
And his EPA, regular EPA, was shit. But his adjusted EPA that was accounting for bad luck, I'm going to cut him some slack. But his fantasy points, not good, guys. Not good at all. And so I just can't fathom wanting to have Lawrence over a Kyler Murray, over a Jordan Love, or in the same tiers like maybe like Richardson. Like trade trade him for those guys straight. Trade him for Dak and get a plus. That's where I'm at. Yeah, if yeah, if you can do that, uh, I I like the idea of uh, trading him for Dak plus. Um, the the comp that I heard that I think is the best comp that I've heard to date uh, for Trevor is that he's Matt Stafford, and to me that makes a lot of sense in terms of Matt Stafford. It was always kind of a traits based. Uh, argument hype like everybody said he had outstanding arm talent uh, he was held back a little bit in Detroit he did have a lot of like mid to low end QB1 finishes in his career which probably is still uh, Trevor's most likely outcome so I, I do agree that Trevor is really good in real life was held back by bad luck and environment uh, this year but at the same time I like you said, Todd, like he's, he's played in the league three years. Two of them have been disappointing. Uh, and the, his sophomore year was good. It wasn't, you know, outstanding. Right. Um, I just don't like, when we have, I, I don't like when we have to use excuses for these top quarterbacks. Um, like not to get into a whole Jordan love thing, but there was a million reasons why he might've done poorly this year and he didn't. Um, so I don't know. Um, I, I think Trevor's fairly ranked where he is. Like, uh, like I would never – like, I, I'm easily taking Richardson, Caleb, and Kyler over him. Uh, him. And, I, don't even, and, I don't even disagree with that, by the way. Just right, no. I, I think the only one you really disagree with, and it's not even a strong disagreement anymore, is, like, we're taking Jordan Love over him. It sounds like you have uh, him over Love, but not, like, a huge deal, probably. I, I think the biggest disagreement is that, Brian, you're okay rostering him, and I would not be comfortable rostering him. I would want to trade into the Kyler Love-Richardson group or I don't, trade I don't back. Think his, I don't think his name is carrying cachet right now, so I would rather – if I had him and I wanted to sell him, I would hold until he does better. You're obviously more out on that being a possibility than I am. Don't you don't you think you could probably trade? Well, you don't like Jordan. Let's call, use Kyler. I think we're probably about the same one, Kyler. Don't you think you could probably trade Lawrence for Kyler? And everyone I've seen and talked to absolutely hates Trevor Lawrence right now. What he, like he's outside. going he's going ahead of Kyler in ADP the last few weeks. Like per- perception wise, like I, 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 like all of my, I, and, and again, I don't have like a large ADP to base this off of. This is just my leagues. I've seen him slandered on half of my leagues since the season's ended. Yeah, he's kind of uh, like and, one and of those guys. And I think it, I think it's partly it's like an expectation based thing. Like Matt was saying, like he didn't uh, get to the point of where people were expecting him to be. So all of a sudden it's the George Kittle effect of like, well, he's not the tight end one. So he sucks. And all of a sudden I'm throwing him in the trash can. So like, that's, that's my point with Trevor Lawrence is that he's being cast aside and the value is going to continue to decline. If he's not a superstar this, this upcoming year. Let, let's let's keep the let's keep the ball rolling here. We got to we we got to get to some more buys and sell. So I think yeah. I don't think we have a lot of disagreement on this next one. So we may just motor right through it. But Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, like go get those guys for your teams. They are value like they are still going to score points next year. You can get them for a lot cheaper. Uh, Brian, you made a trade for Diggs. Yeah. Um, before the playoffs started, I believe, or maybe it was the first round of the playoffs, I traded 210 plus 211 for Diggs. Not oh. even a, necessarily oh. a contending team, but it was Sign just great up. value that I couldn't yeah. turn down. So I, I, I traded away Pop Douglas and a 211 for Diggs. <laughs> like I just received that in my inbox, hit accept, keep the, keep the train moving. I haven't, I've sent out a couple, like those are probably not realistic trades to be quite honest with you. So, but like that early second that we were talking about with Calvin Ridley, I think that's realistic with Cal with Diggs. Adams is a weird one. Um, but like his Adams is maybe like one of the best wide receivers of all time. Go get Devonte Adams and just source. Trust me, bro. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of those ride off into sunsets, I think, at that point. Absolutely. Like, you know, like Julio, like, eventually fell off a cliff, but it was kind of a similar thing where you're just like, oh, he's 31, but he's Julio, so. Uh, speaking of age, we I, I didn't put this one in the notes as a sell, but um, right off into the sunset, you say, I think you might just have opened up a Travis Kelsey sell window um, for people that are contending next year. So my Kelsey shares, I might just shop them around and and see if I can get anybody. I think it's probably good. You're probably going to get one more really good year out of Travis Kelsey. I wouldn't mind selling him right now. I think the interesting thing with Kelsey, the past two weeks, he has had really good games. But awesome. if you but if you look at the context, all of the damage he did was almost in the first half. Like he can give he can give the Chiefs two good hours uh, in the most important game of the season. And uh, I mean, like the writing is could not be more on the wall, even if he comes back for one more year that like he is about cooked. Um, I think tight ends. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead Brian. I, I just one thing on Kelsey because I'm a huge Kelsey fan. I think he's generational in the sense of him and Mahomes just like think the same way. So a lot of his catches are just like chaos where Mahomes runs around and Kelsey can just find spots where he's open. That is a gift that he has that I think he can, as long as he wants to be in the league, they'll be able to do. Kelsey or Kittle? For Dynasty, uh, obviously. Kittle probably. Yeah, same. All right, so we're talking tight end. Let's go Hawkinson. I know, Brian, you had Hawkinson as a buy. This is just another one of those things where it's not necessarily a guy that I love as much as people are uh, over-exaggerating the impact. Like, he's going to – any any team that I'm not a, a in desperate need of that roster spot being a contributor and a league contributor that this upcoming season – uh, I think he's a great buy. He's going like rounds four or five in startups. Sometimes maybe even later, if you're talking to other people that just are totally devaluing beyond this year. Uh, so that's why he's a buy for me in the sense of just just overall value. And I think you'll be able to get more than that back in a in a year and a half. Yeah, we were talking about him during our mock draft. Um, I know Brian and I, you and I just are in the middle of a startup right now. Like McBride and our startup went 3-9. Andrews went 4-4. I think if you're looking at value, Hawkinson healthy is probably like around Andrews at the 4-4. Um, and our Hawk startup, Hawk and Hawk went 6-0-5. So just on a time basis a year from now, you're probably looking at Hawkinson gaining a round or two of ADP value, which is nice. The only thing I would say about buying him is right now we're not scoring points. And the person that has him is like, eh, not, not, not a big deal for him to sit on my roster. I like looking at his, at his face when I click in the sleeper, when you get into like August, September, when people are like, eh, I wouldn't mind having an extra flex. That might be when you can go and you can trade a Rashad white for Hawkinson, where he's like, I need, I need an RB three. And so you might be able to trade him. Also, just like once you get into the season, somebody's going to get an injury and you might be able to be like, hey, you've got Hawkinson sitting there. Let me just take him That's and point. give these points. So it might That's be a, a little bit tougher right now, but I think he's a guy that on any of my teams that's not contending, you can bank I'm going to add some Hawkinson here in the next 10 months. So and the- what do we think? Do we think Cousins is coming back to the Vikings? Because I do. I, I think he is, but um, – I, there was the report the other day that they're looking to draft a quarterback. So there's that. But yeah, it's I think tough. he probably ultimately it, does. It's sort of tough for them to make it work under the cap. Now, with the quarterback, you always oh. can do it. You, you, you're going to make it happen if if they want him back. But yeah, I suppose, supposedly Minnesota was really, really aggressive going after Anthony Richardson last year, trying to trade up. Uh, they're probably looking to do something similar again. Supposedly, the front office is interested in kind of pivoting off this win now team that they have and rebuilding for the future. I think it's more likely than not he's back. I don't think it's any kind of certainty though. Any any, t- any team that cares about winning the cap doesn't exist. That's how I I view the cap. And here the Saints lie. <laughs> yeah, well, and and as can be. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason they're like kind of the only team in the league that does what they do. Like they're fucked forever now. um, (laughs) but the the one thing that i would slightly push back on is i'm not sure at all that hawkinson is going to rebound to what 
uh, like Andrew's current value is. And I think a lot of yeah, that I, I think that's fair. I, I think a lot of people might not realize that to me, the scarcity aspect of tight end is vanished. It's gone completely. There is no value to the scarcity part of it. Like there's too many good tight ends now. We got Brock Bowers coming in. A lot of people like that Jatavian Sanders guy from Texas. Um, so we, we might have a couple more like really good tight ends added to the fold. You had Shaheen Bell. You, uh, yeah, you had uh, late breakouts like with Evan Ingram and the Joku this year. Um, shit, man, like Jake Ferguson and Cole Komet put up like low end tight end one numbers. There's, there's just not a Kincaid yet. Yeah, we haven't, we, we haven't even mentioned Kincaid's name. Um, so, uh, you know, George Kittle, old reliable is already there. So like, I, I just think there's too many other options at tight yeah. end where I'm not, I do not want to invest a guy, uh, a roster spot in the, the like mid to late first round uh, pick of value in a guy that I don't expect to contribute next year. The only thing I want to um, kind of correct on, so you mentioned you don't think he'll get back to Andrews level. Andrews is going to 404. I do think Andrews will probably increase in value over the next year. He's he's being drafted during like coming off an injury, um, kind of an up and down season. I think that he probably increases value and that Hawkinson doesn't get back up to Andrews level, but he gets up to where Andrews is going today, which is like in the mid four. That's what I meant. I is mid four. Yeah. I, I don't know that he's going to get back up to that. It wouldn't shock me. I just wouldn't uh, bank on it. Like this is. Definitely I think it's a. I think it's a pretty close to guarantee. Unless something catastrophic like Clay Thompson esque happens, that he gains one or two rounds of value, and I like having that insulation. It's kind of like a rookie pick. You know, it's going to come back a little bit for you. Yeah. So maybe in like the fit in the fifth round. I mean, he's already going in the on ADP. He's going in like the early fifth right now, uh, or late fourth. Um, so this is nice value in the start that we and, did where he went. And again, sit. it's it's not it's not knocking anything that Matt just said about like the depth. It's just a matter yeah, of like we've seen the volume, we've seen the perception that like even though we know he's not super like as talented as we like some guys to be, like the volume was there, the production was there. People are going to move him back up their boards. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember last last couple of years, if you didn't draft one of the top three, you were just falling, free falling down to like round ten. And, Noah Fant. Yeah, exactly. You were either taking Noah Fant or Injoku, and you you went one way or the other. <laughs> um, speaking Oops. of one way or the other, um, JSN is about to go one way or the other. He's either going to keep flying up the boards, or he's going to just free fall down the boards. Um, Matt, you've been very much out on Jason. I had him as a sell early in the year, so we've kind of been in lockstep. Um, so give us the sell case on JSN. Yeah, I just uh, don't think, like, I, I would just prefer a lot of the guys that are going after him. Like, I, I think in your startup, Michael Pittman went one pick after him. It's crazy to take him over Michael Pittman, in my opinion. Uh, like I, I'm pretty high on Debo, but Debo went like a round later than him. I would take Debo straight up over JSN because I know what Debo's going to give me when he's on the field production wise. And JSN, I, I don't know that the ceiling that is kind of baked into his value is ever going to come to fruition. Uh, not only with DK and Lockett, yeah, Lockett's getting older. So I, I, I don't really care that much about that, but I just needed to see more. Uh, like I think, I think there, I saw one tweet where, uh, they said the only only receivers, like only first round receivers not to put up a wide receiver one week was like QJ and JSN this year. And then like the past couple of years, it's straight only bust uh, that, that like did not have one single great spike spike week all year. Uh, so to me that like, I, I'm glad you just uh, pulled up the comp list for JSN. So like, I don't see any scenario where DeAndre Hopkins and CeeDee Lamb is in this guy's range of outcomes going forward. I don't think he's that kind of player. Like, uh, this is going back a little bit, but, like, he reminds me a lot more of Golden Tate than someone like Hopkins and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I think he's always going to be a useful guy. I don't know that he's ever going to put up an 18-point-per-game season. I would okay. guess so not. So I think that we're totally in agreement that he is way overvalued right now based on what he did his rookie year. Like he should be in the similar tier with like a Jaden Reed um, or in yeah. that like mid twenties range. Whereas there's a lot of times where he's going like in the mid teens. So I think he's way overvalued. So I think, I think I agree with you that he's a sell. The thing that I push back on is that 
when you say Golden Tate, I think that you're kind of like comparing him as a rookie to Golden Tate as his career, as if J- Jason won't get better. And so like, if I look at these, this comp list, I, I, Matt mentioned, I pulled it up. So if you're looking on YouTube, you, you can see it, but um, let me motor through the, the comp list. So you got DeAndre Hopkins, Des Bryant, CD Lamb, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks. Good start, right? Now we go to Michael Floyd, Rashad Bateman, Jonathan Baldwin, Rashad Perriman, Jalen Rager. It's feast or famine for Jalen, for, for JSN. So there's a good chance that he can be like a guy that has a couple um, 14 or 16 points per game seasons, like a DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley. But there's also that chance that he is a nothing. And to be having wide receiver 15 with that kind of range of outcomes, just can't do it. Like, I just can't, I can't, I can't, I, I can't, um, I can't take that on. But the 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 comps that that came that how we got here are guys with a similar whopper, um, which is target share and air yard share, a similar PFF receiving grade, um, and then like I said, a little bit of their their prospect grade. But you can see there's some questionable guys still available here, and so like you gotta rem- we gotta remember that these guys will get better, and it's tough to see it. But I was probably it was probably tough to see it for some of these guys after their rookie year, like it's easy to say now because like DeAndre Hopkins, is the hall of famer, but like he didn't, he wasn't like all world as a, as a rookie. Um, I think probably if I'm guessing JSN's range of outcomes, it's somewhere in this Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Brandon cooks with some Rashad Bateman built into it. Well, and I think the thing to point out about Bateman and maybe I'm just an apologist because I've always loved the guy. I think he was slightly derailed by injuries. Like I, I think if you play his career out completely healthy, he does a lot better than Yeah, he what, probably has a 12 point per game season or something at some point. Maybe maybe not a superstar. Right. I, I think it, like Brandon Cooks, I think he could have easily been if he wasn't derailed by injuries. But like who knows? He maybe he's just not very good. But yeah. but I think the ceiling is still probably there for, for JSN, but there's a huge floor and that's what scares me, and that's why I just can't have him in that wide receiver 15 range. Um, it's got to be in that mid-20s for me. And, and JSN did flash a lot of talent. Like, I don't want to talk about him like he's a bust. Like, some of the catches he made were just straight-up amazing. Right. Um, so I, I get why he's still there. But, like, you said the perfect name, and I don't even think this is being, like, a Packers homer. Like, Jaden Reed's rookie season was better than JSN's. It was more impressive, uh, and I think he flat-out looked better than him. Um, so like if I can get like a late second as a plus on top, like I'm making that trade all day. I, I would probably consider it straight up, but like because of market, I'm market value, I would definitely be trying to get a plus there. Um, like flowers, I would rather have flowers than JSN. I think he's a better player. Um she writes so, kind of interesting, but he's tied to Mahomes, so I would probably take. Yeah, so you can, you can go to my my Twitter for the Rasheed Rice comp list, but um, I'll just throw up the Jaden Reed comp list right here, and then I'll, I'll also post it to Twitter. It's um, so if you look on YouTube, you can see it, but you've got the Cooper Cup, Emmanuel Sanders, Debo that all had monster seasons, Tyler Lockett, T.Y. T- T- Hilton, Deontay Johnson. Um, there is a pretty long list, laundry list of guys that weren't great on his comp list, but a lot of that comes into play with the prospect grade. So um, because I'm just not filtering out the absolute bums because Jade Reed's prospect profile wasn't good, to be quite honest. Um, yeah. So honestly, you can kind of like knock off some of these guys if you really wanted to. Um, I think probably a good uh, Christian Kirk's on this list. Um I think uh, Deontay Johnson is probably another decent one. So I think some there's some really good um, range of outcomes here for Jaden Reed. Um, I don't think that there is quite the ceiling still that JSN has, but I think that there's probably a, a better floor, um, especially when you think about him being with Jordan Love. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um I, that's some name that stood out to me, like Christian Kirk, Deontay Johnson. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a solid comp list. So, um, Brian, I know you had a couple running backs. Maybe hit on those. We're starting to get get towards our, our end here, but um, let's hit some, maybe a few yeah. running backs. Uh, short and sweet, I have one running back I'm really targeting with his ADP and general value, and that's Antonio Gibson. 
I think he's super talented. I think they misused him terribly. I think he even being misused terribly gave a lot of production his first couple of years. Uh, you can get him in round 15 of startups, uh, the mid mid three rookie range. I'm doing that all day for a cheap potential guy that can become an RB one. He could have an RB one season. I, w- I would not be at all shocked if that Gibson? were to happen. Yeah. Antonio. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking about the Gibson. same guy. I heard RB one. I was not, checking not, out. Not, I checked listen, out for a second, then I heard RB one and Antonio. Not, say, not saying I'm expecting that. I'm yeah, saying yeah, yeah. it could happen. A similar to Mozart, like this past year, he goes to a good situation with a coach that knows how to use him, and he could explode for a year. He's I, cheap. He's cheap. Like, he, he's like, cheap. Yeah, you're not paying RB one. That's I mean, in terms of risk reward, the risk isn't high. Uh, I do not think the reward is that high either. I don't think he's as good as you think he is. But I mean, that doesn't mean anything. I'm wrong all the time. Um, he's big. He's fast. He can catch. He has a lot of touchdowns in his career for terrible offense. I, I mean. But I mean, there's, there's like fast. more nuance to it. There's a lot of big and fast running backs that suck. Um, and that also he, he just hasn't done that much. Something I, we probably would have said three years ago about Raheem Mostert, though. We saw Raheem Mostert with these crazy miles per hour numbers, and we were like, oh, well, he's with Shanahan's offense. He probably sucks. Well, here we are where he scores 20 touchdowns. So, like, it's cheap. Like, we're not, I don't think Brian's actually saying he's going to get RB1 season, but like, if it happened, there's worse athletes and running backs probably that have had an RB1 season. Yeah, so uh, the guys that are in that uh, same value range that I'm kind of looking at um, are Khalil Herbert, James Conner, Devin Singletary. Um, I think they're all going to pay off at ADP at cost right now. I think all three of them are good real-life running backs. Um, The one guy that's similar in that uh, value range that I think has some upside that I'm interested in, but I think a lot of people kind of have him as a sleeper is Chase Brown. Uh, He he flashed a lot at the end of the season with the Bengals. I liked him at Illinois. Um, Those are like the four cheap running backs I'm looking at that are in similar value range to Gibson. And a lot lot of it's for the same reason that uh, Brian is high on Gibson. I just think they're a lot more talented in real life than their ADP and their costs currently suggest. So that was Khalil Herbert, James Conner, Devin Singletary, Chase Brown. Um, yeah. So I, I don't have any particular running back to go after. I'm fine with all of those. But the only thing that I would say is this is a great time of year. We're not scoring any points. People, um, they really just care about the starting lineup. The, the, yeah. These are the types of guys that you can get thrown into deals um, at the cost of like a third. Maybe you're not trading a third for them, but you're doing a trade like Matt did earlier where it was um, you traded away – uh, golf, um, a 25-1, a mid-two for Puka. Um, maybe that's a type of deal where it's maybe not that one exactly, but you can maybe try to get someone to throw in um, a Khalil Herbert. Um, yeah, and like to tie it back to to tie it back to uh, the JSN stuff. Like, it, so like if I have JSN, maybe I'm targeting the guy with Freed, and he has James Conner and Chase Brown on his bench. Uh, I give him two bench guys. I would basically cut JSN, and then I ask for Conner and. Chase Brown on top of Reed or something like that and see if I can just fill out a little depth uh, and get a guy I like. Yeah, these are are the perfect types of guys to use as you're converting a tank team to a contender. You're not investing a lot of um, value into it. And you can maybe you've got a guy that can score you 10, 12 points week one as you're trying to get a team that um, is on the come up. Yeah, and Connor, I specifically like in that scenario because I like it, every year this guy is just undervalued and overlooked, and like he's, I think he's just a really good real life running back uh, that's going to continue until he just falls off, and we never know when that's going to happen. Yeah, with these older running backs. And the last guy we were going to talk here, and we I think we're about to have to sign off here, but Jalen Hurts. Stop acting like people are NFL scouts and stop knocking Jalen Hurts. That's all I have to say. You're not an NFL scout. You're a fantasy player. Jalen Hurts is a stud for fantasy. Stop acting like he's QB 10 and give him the respect that he deserves. We'll spend more time on him another episode too. Yeah, real real quick. I'll just say the trade that uh, I got done in the league, in that same league with the Richardson trade is I traded Will Levis, Rasheed Rice, and the 105 for Jalen Hurts. Oh my God. And 
people uh, have minds. And to me, that, that yeah, that, that's just they, no twist pressure. So uh, yeah, it, it, there are people that are valuing hurts at like like the one ten or like the end of the first round instead of like yeah, the one hundred four. Yeah. I saw him go uh, straight up for Anthony Richardson in a league not too long ago. All right, that's yeah. all we got here for today. Thanks for joining Dynasty Market Watch. We are, like I said earlier, Dynasty. Thanks for joining Dynasty Market Watch. We are a part of the Bulletproof family of podcasts. You can find us on our YouTube, Dynasty Market Watch. You can find Brian on Twitter or X at Brian underscore Leary one. You can find Matt at Dynasty Peasant. I am at Dynasty S Flex. You can find um, a lot of these different comp lists um, on my Twitter feed. Um, maybe Brian, if you could retweet a couple of them from the Market Watch, maybe do the collection so people can find those there. You can find me also in the Bulletproof Discord um, talking about some of these comps, looking at rookie comps. So hope to see you there. Thanks for joining. Everyone knows Ray Allen, but don't forget about former Celtic great Allen Ray. <laughs> <laughs>